0: Yeah, what what did you get for feedback?
1: Well, this is going back to our um linguistics class a couple episodes ago regarding jewel and jewel.
0: Dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this No, this is, so yeah, I'm uh, just going to say
0: there's nothing that you can say to me <laughs> that's going to make me say jewel. Oh.
1: Okay. Are you ready for this? No, but go. I I might change I might I might change your mind.
0: Okay. All right.
1: I've, I have some information from a good source on this Jewel-Jewel trail debate. This may very well be the last chance that Team Jewel has to get on the right side of history here, okay? Are you committed to your position?
0: Whoever your source is is a moron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, re- regarding the source, it's, I can't reveal the source's name, but it rhymes with Meeve Myth. <laughs> and
0: boy, what a mountain wanderer that guy is right, Well, okay, You should right, write a book I'm, I'm, I'm softening my position a little bit, but go ahead, <laughs> go ahead.
1: So here's, here's what I have from that individual
2: Broadcasting from the Woodpecker's studio in the great state of New Hampshire Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast Where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stomp.
0: All right, Stomp. So, episode seventeen. Welcome. Seventeen. Seventeen. I can I can drink legally now, right? Is that? Oh no, that's 21. Seventeen.
1: No, uh, you can maybe go to the roller skating rink
0: alone.
3: I could go to the roller skating rink when I was twelve. You <laughs> can watch a. Yeah. One of those movies,
0: those uh, <laughs> NC Seventeen movies. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> so that's a, that's about it for, uh, for Seventeen. So anyway, it's <laughs> a um, pretty
1: bland year.
0: So Stomp, I got. Um, you know how I, I say I don't like feedback? Yeah. I got some more feedback.
1: Oh, I've got some feedback too. So, yeah. All right. Well, why don't I start and then. Uh, and I've kept it hidden from you.
0: All right, well, why don't I start, and then you can go next. So, okay. um, Odin, Odin the dog, remember, remember the dog episode that we did?
1: Yeah, how could how could you forget? That was an amazing, amazing story.
0: We don't have any update on the dog. I'm assuming the dog is hopefully, hopefully that dog is just, like, relaxing in the backyard, not being bothered by anybody. But mm. I did get a, I get somebody reached out to me, and they, there's a big hole in the story that um, we need to fill in, I So really we did part of the story we didn't cover with Odin was that there was this whole period where from the time that he was spotted in the afternoon of Sunday up until Janine, who was our guest, came and met him with the sling, which was around 1230. There was a whole period of time during the overnight into the morning where we just didn't have any idea what was going on there. So Mm -hmm. I got to I got to. A follow up from a listener who had said that um, there was a lot of details that we we missed, and I was like, "Well, we missed them because we didn't, you know, we had no idea what was going on." So apparently, this listener wanted us to know that the AMC crew hut was pretty involved in support in helping this the owner with the dog. So I guess they were giving him, you know, they were helping bandaged the dog and they were giving, you know, there was some guests there that were giving supplies and they just wanted to make sure that we knew that the AMC crew was on the spot and helping out there. And that, you know, the mm. feedback I got also was that the owner was a bit of a uh, an odd duck. I don't know how else to say it. And, you know, they were trying to give him advice and really encourage him to get moving, to get down. And he didn't seem to be taking any of their, their advice. so is what it is. But the other mm-hmm. thing about the crew is I say this all the time when it comes to search and rescue because people love to shit on the AMC and they love to shit all over the cog about how they just are in there, you know, they're there for money and they shouldn't be on the mountain and you know, you can argue that. But the thing that I always say about the AMC and the cog and many other organizations, you know, we had that example of Waterbill Valley stepping in and helping with a rescue over the winter when search and rescue calls happen and they're in the vicinity of an AMC hut or they're in the vicinity of the cog, those organizations will step up and help. Of course. I I, I haven't heard of a case where they would refuse to help somebody. So Mm -hmm. as much as people complain about, like, oh, they're in it for money and, you know, they have their issues, when it comes to search and rescue, they will step up and help people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, agreed. You know, on our end, I think— had we known, then we could have added that to the um, the show credits and stuff. But hats off to AMC, great work.
0: Yep. So now we have the update. Yeah. I don't know if anybody has any inside info about Odin and how he's how he's doing. You know, drop us a line. Let us know.
1: Yeah, I was going to reach out to a few people, but um, it was just just been a crazy week. So it is what it is. But I'm sure the pup's doing
0: fine. Yeah. What What did you get for feedback?
1: Well, this is going back to our um linguistics class a couple episodes ago regarding jewel and jewel. Dude. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dude this No, this so yeah, I'm this just going to say there's nothing that you can say to me that's going to make me say jewel. Oh.
1: Okay. Are you ready for this? No, but go. I I might change I might I might change your mind.
0: Okay. All right.
1: I've, I have some information from a good source on this Jewel-Jewel trail debate. This may very well be the last chance that Team Jewel has to get on the right side of history here, okay? Are you committed to your position?
0: Whoever your source is, is a moron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, re- regarding the source, it's, I can't reveal the source's name, but it rhymes with Meeve Myth. <laughs> and, boy, what a mountain wanderer that guy is.
0: All right. Well, okay. He should well, write a book. I'm, I'm, I'm softening my position a little bit, but go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead.
1: So, here's, here's what I have from that individual. It's very interesting. He says, I think it's the latter. This is in reference to my first email, meaning, due to the double L, as you said, Jewell. Jewel. Plus, it was a person's name
2: and not a stone. Meve. <laughs> Meve myth. Let's dive into some White Mountains history, shall we? The Jewell Trail was named after Sergeant
1: Winfield S. Jewell from Lisbon, New Hampshire. He was an Army Signal Corps observer on Mount Washington from 1878 to 1880. And on April, listen to this. This is pretty hardcore. April 12th, 1884, while on the Greeley expedition to the Arctic, Jewel died of starvation. Out of the 25 men on the three year Greeley expedition, only six survived. Pretty hardcore.
0: I I feel like I watched a movie on that before, but I I don't care. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I don't care what you're reading. (laughs) <laughs> who's telling you this? It's the jewel trail. So whatever, however this name was pronounced back in the, the, the 15th century or wherever this guy, lived,
2: like the
0: common pronunciation has taken over. So uh, good, possibly luck. If, you, if you want to change it, good luck, but it's going to be the jewel trail. <laughs> So anyway, we spent way too much time on this. Um, we do want to um, get into some introductions here in a moment. So we have our friend Mark here. He goes, his his real name is Nobby. So do you, you want to say hi, Mark? Hello. Whoa, Mark's shot out of a cannon tonight, so.
3: Yes, you know.
0: Very good. Hey, you, how Mark. Are you doing? Good. Thanks for inviting me on the show, guys. No problem. Welcome. Oh, you bet. All right, Mark. So welcome. So we're going to get into the show opening here. So like I said, tonight we're joined by our friend Mark. Um, Mark recently completed the Monadnock-Sunapee Greenway Trail, and he is connecting that hike to the co-host trail to basically do one big long hike that he's putting together from all the way down from Long Island to... Um, through the New England Trail, and then he's going to be connecting that up to Canada by the Monadnock-Sunapee Greenway and the Cohos Trail. So we've asked him to join us so that we can do a deep dive on, on this hike. Um, he's also going to share some stories about hiking with Stomp, and uh, he'll give us his perspective on, on backpacking in New Hampshire, and uh, we may even get in a little Sasquatch discussion here. Um, but we're going to start the show off with a yes. recap of the Mount Washington Road Race, and later in the show, um, we'll also cover some search and rescue news. So I'm Mike, and I'm Stomp. Let's get started. Are you drinking? I know for the last like five shows in a row, Stomp, you've been drinking margaritas. Are you still doing that, or are you? No, like, no, no, margarita tonight. It's a uh,
1: it's in in honor of our guest tonight. It's a Fit Vine Pinot Grigio, which was my gift for driving him all over the state. Uh, endless hours, endless miles, like a true friend. So, cheers, brother.
0: Nice, very good. So, um, you'll be shocked. Stomp. Normally, I think this is the first time I haven't had an IPA. Yes. I just I went in the refrigerator Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get a beer, and there's nothing in there. So, I had to go with I'm I'm the only man in the house. So there's three daughters and my wife. So, right now. All I have in the uh, the refrigerator is a Bud Light seltzer, lemon-lime.
1: Those those are actually really nice. Nice and light. It's
0: not, it's not horrible. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. So that's what I'm drinking. So I'll link this in the show notes for anybody that's interested. But it's not bad. Like, I could definitely see drinking this when I was out on, like, the— You know, sometimes I'll rent the pontoon boat on Sebago or something. So it's, it's pretty nice to have something like this on a day like that. Oh, yeah. So, Mark, are you drinking anything good? I, I saw you— Knocking something back.
3: I, I got just something I found in the refrigerator. It's a Fisher's Island Lemonade, and uh, it's a 9% alcohol,
0: um, but it's lemonade. Wow. It's very uh, – All right. Well, we got – it's fruity drink night for, uh, for the Slasher <laughs> podcast. Yeah, very fruity. Very, very fruity and yeah. uh, nice. Very cool. So, Stomp, any uh, any recent hikes for you? Yes, sir. Yeah. My wife and I made it up. Uh, Ike
1: couple days back and it was a good time it was really nice first time above 4k for me for like a quite a while and um, we, maybe like three or four group, groups of people but not too bad and on the way down there was this is Mount Eisenhower you're talking about yeah I call it Ike yeah Eisenhower um, yeah Eisenhower it's a beautiful day you could see the full Prezi spread and uh, on the way down there's nobody and uh, I posted a picture on the slasher page of the murder hornets at the cairn. It, they were so oh, yeah. they were so bad that you had to be fifty feet away. I mean, they were swarming a fifty foot diameter around that cairn. Really, it was amazing watching people duck and dodge. So it was an interesting time. It was definitely not a time to go tap the cairn because those things are massive, like the size of my thumb.
0: Interesting. Which is a big
1: thumb. <laughs> yeah. Did you go up?
0: Did you go up Edmunds Path?
1: Yes, we did. Yeah, parked right at the trailhead. Alright.
0: Yeah. So you just did up and down.
1: Yeah, and when we when we got there, we got there a little late, like nine thirty ten. The lot was full, so we're, we were about four cars onto Mount Clinton Road, but not too overloaded. It's actually a really enjoyable time.
0: Yeah, it's a great trail. I did that. I did that the first day of winter this year, so it was it was fun getting out there. Oh, it's it's awesome. How about you, Mike? Uh, I didn't hike, but I did the Mount Washington Road race. So I want to do a recap. Should we, should we well, do that now? That's not a hike. That's a run. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's <laughs> unless you're walking.
0: Ah, so, uh, well, I'll get into that. So it was a it was a good race. Different different start format this year. So normally with with Mount Washington, it's like about 1,100 people in the start. But this year they did they split it up by uh, female runners on Saturday, male runners on Sunday. So I went. Why? And it was probably because uh, of COVID. why COVID. The, Just to break I, up the
1: yeah, but why yeah, the gender think, split? Well, Why I think they just they have wanted just... to
0: split the. I, I'm explaining stomp. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that logistically they set it up when COVID was in place, and they just decided to keep those rules in in line, just so that they didn't have to rejigger everything around. Because uh, I don't think they knew when COVID was going to clear, but when they when they set this up, so. What they did is they split up the 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 uh, the starts with female on Saturday, male on Sunday. That means instead of eleven hundred, you got about five hundred people starting, or five hundred and fifty people. Um, and the way that they did it this year is they moved the start line off to the side, and then they had us just they had the elite runners. There's like fifteen of them go on, um, you know, right at eight thirty, and then they had us line up in rows of two, and then they just had everyone go off every ten seconds. So they just spread out the the runners along the road a little bit, which was, I actually liked that a little bit better. So you don't have to mess around with like trying to weave through people in the beginning. So, um, yeah, so it was a little,
1: no, I guess it makes sense. I, I was just curious because I was wondering why they didn't, didn't do it by just volume. But now that I think about it, usually they, they have the, the men's category and then the women's category. And that would make sense if they're all competing against each other for yeah. those times. Yeah, exactly. The sense. elite
0: runners they they want to they want to have them separated so that they can yeah. um, they can all compete to, against each other. So, um, but it was good. That was a little bit weird. You had to carry like a water bottle, which I think that they're probably going to do that moving forward because I don't think they want cups all over the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wore a running vest. I just had like a soft bottle, and um, they had a water stop at like mile and it like mile 1.5 and then they did another one around 3 miles and then that was it. So it was huh. and it was hot as hell. Like the first 2 3 miles was <laughs> just like 70 75 degrees with the sun pounding down on you and the and fresh pavement. It was like you were running on a on a griddle. It was tough and Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, that's awful. Yeah, I saw that I saw that picture you posted. You looked pretty I don't know. What, what's the word?
0: Yeah, I don't. I, I never look good, so I certainly wasn't that stoic, stoic. Stoic, stoic. yes, yes, That's stoic. A <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. So. But I had a rough time. I mean, I ran, so I typically try to run that race the entire time, <laughs> and I couldn't do it. I just was not in in the shape that I needed to be to do it. Um, so I ran up to about the four and a half, maybe five mile mark, so like the hairpin on the on the dirt road. And then I just had to walk after that. So I was like the only one running in that section anyway. And then by then I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So Any breeze? uh, It started getting windy when you get above tree line. We were getting hit with. So the wind was at our back going up to the hairpin turn. And then when you turn back to get towards the Great Gulf, then the wind died down a little bit. And then once you got to like five and a half five and three quarters, and you're going along the Great Gulf, the wind just was started to sort of crosswind, knocking people around. Mm-hmm. And then we lost visibility at like 6,000 feet. You couldn't see more than five feet in front of you. So it was typical Mount Washington
1: weather. How was your How was your time?
0: It was horrible. So I think the last time I ran it, I did an hour and 40. This time I did a little over two hours, which is slow mm-hmm. for me. But I'm just... I'm getting to the point where, you know, I was always a probably a reasonably competitive age group runner, but I'm just middle of the pack type of person now. So I'm just getting old. Mm -hmm.
1: Hey, father time marches on.
0: It is. Yeah, it sucks. It is. It was like it was really like humbling for me because I'm typically I try to be competitive, but I'm just not I'm not at that level anymore. So old Mm. age, 49 years old. Yeah, it's catching up you know, I bet,
1: I bet you could rehash your, your technique and, and, come up with a speed walk that would get you a better time than you got this year
0: yeah you know what i think it is too is i typically cross train so i've been doing triathlons and swimming and biking and i just got away from that with covid and i've just gotten into this comfortable rhythm of running and i do about 25 30 miles a week but i've gotten so efficient with it Mm. i think i'm getting lazy so i gotta i gotta pick up cycling again or or just do more hiking i don't know did you
1: run down like dave dunham
0: i did so i hiked down nelson Crag. And my foot really started bothering me, Um, so I made it to the the top. Ah. I made it down through the top half of Nelson Crag, and I got to the hairpin turn, and I got off at the road, and I just started walking down. And I had a friend from my hometown that was nice enough to to flag me. He was driving down with his son, so I hopped in with him at halfway down the that section, and then uh, so he drove me the last three or four miles down. So. It was a good day, but I just Cool. I was done. I wanted to go home by the time it was uh it was finished and I iced my foot and I'm I'm just hoping that I didn't do any long term damage to it.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you'll be fine. I know a therapist you can check in with. Yeah, yeah, I've been icing it, so I'm
0: gonna go run tomorrow and test <laughs> it out. But yeah, Mount Washington was fun. It's always fun. I got a medal, I got the nice blanket. Everybody was very happy up top. <laughs> the um there was a bunch of tourists up there that <laughs> I were find just my blanket. I, it's so funny watching the tourists up there that come up on the cog and they're just like, These people all just ran up this mountain. Are you insane? <laughs>
1: It is it is crazy. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, it is. Did that um elderly gentleman
0: run or is he done? Oh George, yeah. So they, they gave him a shout out at the beginning. So it's for the audience's sake, there's a guy that runs Mount Washington. He's like in his nine he he was in his nineties. I think he ran up until he was like ninety nine. Uh, Couldn't run last year because of COVID, but he always gets the biggest ovation. And I think he didn't run in 2020. I think 2019 was the last year that he ran. He didn't finish in 2019. So he, um, yeah, so I think that was it for him. He's sick. So they basically said, yeah, he's sick. He wants to send his best wishes. So he's still alive. He's 101, but he's... You know, not able to to do the run. But that guy incredible. I remember in twenty thirteen when he finished, it was the most insane cheering and the the place went nuts. It was one of the coolest sporting event experiences I've ever seen. So the mm-hmm. guy is an absolute animal running up Mount Washington at ninety eight years Whoa. old. It's
1: amazing. Yep. Good. Good, good, good. Well, congrats, man. I hope to get in one of these years coming up. I I would love to run it again. Yeah, and and P.S. Just to close out this section, uh, no more hip talk. I'm I've taken a corner. I've I feel like I'm normal, okay. like back a year and a half, two years. I feel like I'm back to what I was. It's incredible. And as a matter of fact, yesterday was the three month anniversary. Three months. Really. So... And I'm like I feel like I'm 100. percent Other than like a minor lack of cardio, I feel
0: great. Yeah. Congruent. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah, congratulations. I feel like, um, what, what the hell are we going to talk about on this dumb podcast now? We always talk <laughs> about your hip. <laughs> we talk about your foot? I don't know. Oh, we can talk about the foot. <laughs> wow, that's great.
3: Don't get overconfident, though.
1: No, I agree. I agree. I In terms of hiking, I'm back to where I was, for sure. But even search and rescue, I, I, I'm probably a little cocky, but I feel like coming down Eisenhower, I just feel like I could pick up somebody without a problem. So, I'm really... Uh, Moving forward for sure. Yeah, that's huge because cool. I honestly
0: like this whole like, oh, I was on the clipboard and waiting in the parking lot on these search and rescues. It's not going to fly anymore. Like we need we need you on the action.
1: <laughs> yeah, teammates were teasing me too. They're like, hey, when are you going to order us the pizza for these missions? Yeah, Because you know, exactly. sometimes we'll order pizza. Yeah. And I'm like, I told I I can't commit to the pizza thing. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well.
0: Anyway, well, it's good to hear that you know COVID is canceled. Stomp's hip is canceled, so we'll see what else we can cancel this year. <laughs> right, so, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 we won't do that. So we're picking up steam. Like I can't joke around anymore and say like, "Oh, we're only got like five people listening," because we actually have like a lot of people listening now. So we got a lot of pressure on us. So um,
1: yeah, we do. We have like five, five of your employees around the world. Oh, listening. Yeah, yeah, we got them all. <laughs> this was
0: revealed last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was great. Cool. All right. Well, you want to get into this? We want to. Uh, so we want to talk about um, the monadnock Sunapee Greenway, and we want to talk about the co-host Trail. So we got our friend Mark, also known as Knobby uh, Hikes, here to give us a breakdown. So uh, I'm going the to Knobster. hand us over to Stomp, and you can you can do this interview here, and I'll I'll hop in.
2: Slashers hiking topic of the week.
1: This is Mark Lindenberg, a.k.a. Nobby. Nobby Hikes on YouTube and Instagram. I met Mark uh, a couple years back, and um, he's pretty cool. I don't know. Was I the one that influenced you to start doing these big (laughs) hikes, or was this something that you had had always done? Because when I met you, I was diving into a PEMI. I'm like, hey, you want to join me?
3: I was definitely uh very new to hiking um when when I did that. I think I had already done uh the Franconia Loop and stuff like that. Um and I had done some tough stuff before, but um I really that was the first uh, that was the my introduction to a lot doing the the Pemmy. Mm-hmm. When I, when I saw you, I was uh sleeping in my car and uh and I just, you know, I didn't have any plan and I really I really didn't know Enough. I I should have checked with trail conditions. Is is what I should have done uh, because there was no snow anywhere. And then I saw you, and we were just casually talking, and uh, Mm -hmm. you casually said, uh, "Well, hey, yeah, I was thinking about doing uh, doing it in a day," and which seemed absolutely ludicrous to me. But I I wanted to look cool, so I was like, "Sure, I'll do it in a day."
1: Yeah, and. and that's a funny thing because it's like, in my mind, I'm thinking, do I want to invite this person and get committed to this guy for 15
0: hours that I've, I haven't even. Well, oh, so you you guys met in the parking lot? Yeah. The what, Lincoln Woods? Yeah. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were, we were both walking in on the uh, railroad track trail there and, uh, together. And, and we, we were just going to talk for a little bit because, uh, he had a coffee in his hand and, uh, we were just kind of <laughs> hanging out walking. And it was, the impression was that we were just going to walk for a little bit and then he was going to take off. But, uh, uh, one thing led to another and, uh, the conversation was so good that we just kept going and he was like, well, yeah, I'm thinking about doing it in a day. And, and, I thought, you know, I'm you know, I was fairly new to hiking. So I'm thinking, you know, I don't don't know if I can do it in a day, but, you know, I'll give it a shot.
1: And your goal was to get to Garfield, right?
3: Yeah, I was going to, uh, that was what I was thinking, you know, doing it in a two-day, which, you know, isn't easy either. Um,
1: Which is what you accomplished.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But (laughs) it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because... Hell uh, of a weird day. I mean... uh, yeah, I mean I, I you know, I have a I have a picture that you took of me post holing and my whole leg disappeared and it's it's the best picture. Mm. And I think I, I, I use it as a, a profile picture, I think.
1: Yeah, because that was that was spring snow and there was a lot of there was plenty of monorail from um, you know, Gio. This is the primary Loop. This is the thirty-three mile loop up in Lincoln, New Hampshire, and we were going to counterclockwise. And by the time we got to the, uh, what is it? The twin way, two miles, it was just post hole, post hole. And it was a strange day be- because there was the search concurrently going on for the individual that was lost on Lincoln's sl- Lincoln slide. So all day long we had civil air patrol flying around, black Hawks flying around lot and uh, that was before I got into the search and rescue.
0: It's just a really neat, cool day. It was just very interesting. So you and Mark, so you, you met in Lincoln Woods, randomly just walking down together, decided to hike the Pemi Loop together, or at least part of it, and then at the same time, there's a search and rescue going on, but this is before Stomp, you had actually been on the, the search and rescue team. Oh,
1: yeah. I think that might have been one of the influencing factors for me, because after we parted ways at Garfield tent site, I kept on going, and I made it to Lincoln, or Lafayette, excuse me, and... Uh, you know, you couldn't see the Blackhawk, but you could hear it. And then, you know, they they plucked that guy off, you know, at the last minute. And uh I ended up bailing on that one and heading down rather than completing the whole loop. But what it's just a really interesting uh day. Met a great friend.
3: Still that's hardcore. That's hardcore. I I I couldn't have done that. That that was really hardcore. Uh, just getting up, uh, climbing up uh, Lafayette in those conditions—that's that, tough. Well,
1: here's here's my question. So you go from that where you're doing you know half of the PEMI to crushing states. What got you into the longer trails and just lead us into um, how you started this uh, or conceived of this latest adventure of yours?
3: Um, <laughs> I've always been. I've always been fairly fairly. Uh, I, I've always liked a challenge. I've always liked a challenge. And, uh, and I, I, uh, um, my, my, my trail name is Nobby because, um, I had a really, really bad accident, really bad ski accident and half my body was paralyzed and I ended up, um, I was a really good mountain biker before it happened. And, uh, then I, when I was recovering after PT and stuff, uh, I was a terrible mountain biker and I was bouncing off trees and I thought I was going to kill myself and I was like, "Well, um, I'd rather be I'd rather be a dead mountain biker than uh, than the, the kind of mountain biker I am now." So I went every day. I went every day until I, I was determined to be, get back to where I what I was. To make a long story short, that's the kind of PT that really brought me back from the accident. To, to move on from there, um, I I started uh, hiking, and I did a couple of hikes that were a little they so hard, so much harder. Than, than, than mountain biking you know hiking for a whole day compared to you know mountain biking for an hour i i enjoyed the challenge and one of the first big trails i did i was like well um well what's the toughest i could do and so i i i heard that the long trail was was a great trail to do so that's what i did mm-hmm. I, I just jumped on the long trail and uh that was the first time i really learned about the the at also it was an amazing time and the people that I met were amazing. And I did a lot of, a lot of trails. Like I did, you know, the North South trail, the Mid-State trail, the, the New England trail. Just basically I could just, whatever was around me, I, I tried to do. So like I said before, last year I did the New England trail and this year I was like, well, I might as well just keep going. And you record all these for your uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, I, I know. I, it's you know, a lot of people, you know, try to be famous. I know I'm not going to be famous, but, you know, it's really kind of nice to record it because then you can look back and, and I don't have a great memory. Maybe that's maybe that's the reason. But uh, it's it's great to look back and be like uh, you have something to remember that trail from. And it's kind of uh, gives that trail a little bit of respect and, uh, you know, kind of remembering it forever
1: as making a video from it where can people find that those videos on YouTube what is
3: oh no hikes uh, YouTube yeah yeah
1: yeah do you have your uh, your encounter with the yeti Uh, yeah
3: Yeah. Uh, well I I do a lot of training locally and uh, the, uh, the I mean this is this really isn't funny yeah, because hey, tell uh,
1: us about it know. we need to hear the yeti story
3: so basically I I, uh, I, had, I was having dinner with my kids and uh, you know I, I left them at like 9 p.m and I was like yeah I'm gonna go do some training because uh, I wanted to get some mileage in because I was training to do one of these crazy hikes and so I was I, I figured I could get you know 10 miles in before midnight kind of thing and then uh, and I crash out somewhere and then in the morning I'd get more miles and then be home so I went out to the local place uh, around me and I logged like maybe 10 miles
0: mm-hmm.
3: and it was getting really late. And so I, I was like, you
0: know what? And I knew the place because I would mountain biked it a lot. And well, so hold on, Mark, like you're not just going to throw out like that. You saw Bigfoot and not give details on where this is. Well, so like, w- what does it mean around your place? Like, where are we this talking? This is
3: uh, in Rhode Island, which is right next to where I live. And it's uh, or oh, right. Arcadia. So R-
0: you, 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 saw Sasquatch in Rhode Island.
3: Well, I didn't see him. I, I, okay. I was going to camp out by the river, and okay. so I, 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 went down, and I, uh, um, it was obviously about midnight when I was going to stop hiking because I was kind of hurting a little bit, and no. I, I walked down to the river, about to take my pack off, and I hear this crash like a like like a boulder like slamming into the water, like someone throwing a boulder in the water. So then right when I heard that, I slowly took a knee and turned my Mm -hmm. light off. And I just sat there like, all right, what's next? And then I hear it again, crash, like right near me in the water. And I'm thinking, you know, is someone trying to mess with me? I know that this isn't like a, a place people camp. This is, this isn't a, people don't camp in this place. I know that I knew that for like, a five mile radius. I was the only person I knew that couldn't comprehend what was happening. And then I heard it maybe five more times and it was kind of going away from me, which really confused me too. Cause I'm like, well, if they're trying to mess with me, why are they And they, they sounded like such huge boulders that it doesn't make any sense. So I was like, well, shit, I might as well walk out to the car. So I walked out to the car and the next day I called my buddy that my, uh, that I mountain bike with. And I'm like, uh, I'm like Jamie. Uh, I, you know, I don't understand. You know, I, I I told him the whole story, and he starts laughing. And he's like, "What do you think it was?" Well, I know it wasn't kids, right? Bigfoot. What what other options are there? And he starts laughing, and he goes, "I know exactly what it was." <laughs> I'm like, "All right." He goes, "Beavers." Mm. And and I'm and I'm thinking to myself,
1: "I've heard that too." And
3: I'm thinking to myself. That's exactly it and so I, I, I started laughing and I was like you know what you're exactly right because where I heard the sound there were no trails you couldn't get to there so the beavers live in an area that no one can can get to and uh, and so I, I was I felt kind of foolish uh, but it was it was kind of funny um, it sounded
0: like something big. It sounded big. Well, I was hoping that that was going to be a better, a better um, eyewitness story of Sasquatch, but uh, oh hell no! This will not be the last time that we talk about Sasquatch and Bigfoot. So yeah, um, yeah. But I'm not going to make fun. No, I
1: have I have other (laughs) sources that um, swear that they've seen Sasquatch and the Whites and you name it. So it's an interesting story. I don't have an opinion either way, but I'd just like to hear it. We,
0: we will. Uh, we've got a dedicated episode on on weird New Hampshire coming up, so we'll talk about Bigfoot a little bit more. The main reason we have Mark on is to talk about how he's stringing together um, the Monadnock Sunapee Greenway with the Cohos Trail. So he's basically going from the Massachusetts border all the way up to Canada, and he's already done part of this hike. I think he's already done the Monadnock. Um, greenway section and then he's going to be starting on the Cohos Trail I think in the next week or two so yeah. Mark can you give a little bit of background so you talked about this a little bit so you did the New England Trail which is wh- what is the New England Trail that starts in like Connecticut and then goes up through
3: yeah that that, that starts in Guilford Guilford Connecticut and uh, so you, you start there on the on Long Island Sound it's uh, you just follow the blazes and it's, it's fairly easy and well marked out and it it really is amazing how um, there are a lot of uh, it's kind like of a ridge line that goes up. There are a lot of views um, on the New England Trail, and mo- most of the views are, I think, uh, western facing, which is kind of funny. I think there's only like one, maybe one or two eastern facing
0: views. Now, is the Mid State Trail part of the New England Trail, or does, so there's? completely different. So your father, when you're going through Massachusetts, you're farther west?
3: The North-South Trail starts in Rhode Island. That continues into Massachusetts as the Mid-State Trail. Starting in Guilford, Connecticut, you have the New England Trail that that, that goes up. And uh, once it gets to um, New Hampshire, it turns into uh, the the uh, Metacomet-Manadnock Trail. And that trail goes to Mount Monadnock, and then turns into uh, the uh, Monadnock-Sunapee Greenway Trail.
0: Got it. So you basically, you're, and one of the reasons we want to have you on here is because I think me and Stomp spent so much time, like, we're in the whites, and we're doing, like, the the 500 highest, the 4,000 footers, the 52 with the views, but you're you're unique to me because you do a lot of these backpacking trails in the New England area that don't get a lot of foot, tra- I mean, they do probably do get a lot of day hikers and foot traffic, but they're just not talked about as much. And then the fact that you're stringing them all together to get up to Canada was interesting to me. So, um, Yeah, the, the Monadnock-Sunapee Greenway,
3: um, I think, sees a lot of traffic because I saw traffic on that. Um, getting up to the Monadnock, there wasn't any traffic. But there are people that um, it's basically strings Mount Monadnock to Mount Sunapee. That, that, that's yeah, nice I've heard spike.
0: about that. I feel like a lot of people end up doing that um, starting in like the early, oh, late spring, early summer. And I know it has a reputation for being pretty kind of buggy uh, early on in the year. So I don't know, did you, how were the conditions of it when you were on it?
3: Well, when I did it, it was very rainy. Um, so um, the bugs weren't too bad. Um, when, it, when it wasn't raining, the bugs weren't bad. But um, the... But it rained. I, I think I, I did uh, mm-hmm. I did five days, and then I had to work for a couple of days, and then I did five more days um, onto the AT. Um, and uh, those first five days, it, it really uh, it rained. I think uh, three or four days out of the five. So um, and it was cold, as you remember. Yeah, but um, but after Sunapee, after you reach Sunapee. It uh, it turns into uh, the Sunapee Ragged uh, um, Kearsarge Greenway and um, the the Kr the, the SRKG trail, and that gets a little messy with a lot of road walking. So as you're as I was in a shelter before Sunapee, basically I had to go. I think it was uh, twenty six miles that day to get back into the woods to sleep. We did, I did. So I did the, the 26 miles. And then the next day I went on to uh, Moose Mountain Ridge Trail. And uh, that goes right to the AT. And then I took the AT down to the first road. And because uh, uh, I do, uh, that's where my car was down there. Um, but, when then after a couple of days I came back onto that and just did the AT and I was trying to keep the big miles up, but it really uh, gives you a lot of respect for the white mountains because I was pulling, uh, you know, some big days like that 26 and 20 mile days. And then you hit, um, the white mountains and <laughs> th- that's just not doable.
1: Yeah. It crushes you. I mean,
3: you, you. You do like a 16 mile day in the white mountains and, uh, uh, I mean, there are people that could do a lot bigger, but, um, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not, uh, uh, capable of that. I don't know, but, but that, uh, that's really tough in the White Mountains. So now I, uh, because of, uh, some, some uh, logistical problems, I, 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 uh, I, got off like a day early and so probably this weekend I'll, I'll get to, um, back onto uh, the AT and get to the beginning point of the Kuhas Trail. The whole route um, from, uh, from the, New, the, the New Hampshire border to Canada, I think is something in the ballpark of 320 miles. And I, and I think I've done something in the ballpark of 175
0: so far. Got it. So you're section hiking it. So you're doing it on weekends and stringing together like time off. Yeah.
3: Cause I have a job. I, I, I uh, you know, it's, I, I try to uh, keep everybody happy, my, my boss and everyone. So I, sometimes I have to, you know, come back and, um, uh, work for a couple days and then I'm back on the trail. So starting in, uh, July 3rd, um, I'm going to be back on the trail and, uh, this time I'm going to, uh, doing the whole Cohos
0: and and one. So before you get in the Cohos trail, I just want to just kind of recap this. So you start on the New Hampshire border. You're going from um, there to Monadnock, and that section of the trail is called the what again?
3: The Metacomet Monadnock Trail.
0: Got it. And then from there, you're going to Sunapee.
3: Ragged Kearsarge um, Greenway Trail.
0: All right, and then there's a little bit of a road walk to get to the AT, and then you're taking the Appalachian Trail to Crawford Notch, and that's the start of the Cohos Trail.
3: I was gonna do another uh, link where um, you take like a connector from the Zealand Trail uh, to the Cohos Trail, um, just east of like Twin Mountain, and uh, so basically you you uh, go down and do trails instead of having to uh, road walk south back down to the Cohos. got it, it it's going to be fun i'm lo- really looking forward to uh getting on the Cohos. i'm going to be going over the presidentials and then <laughs> basically in the direction of like the mount washington hotel and then going north of that and uh so it starts hard and it goes easier as you go along
0: mm-hmm. yeah so for people that aren't familiar with the Cojas trail um, like Mark had said, it starts at the um, the Davis Path, which is sort of the Southern Presidentials, and it goes through the pres- Presidentials and then connects up. Isolation Mountain. Uh, yep, yeah, it goes over isolation and then connects into the Presidentials, and then eventually you make your way into the Kilkenny Ridge mm. um, Trail, which is like 27 miles, and then that eventually connects into Nash Stream forest, um, which you're not allowed to camp above treeline stomp. Exactly. And then. Good point. Eventually you get into the Fawn North. So it's, uh, what's the total distance on the Cohos trail, Mark?
3: Um, I think the Cohos
0: is something, I think it's like 170. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting more and more popular. So it's, it's a, it's a full backpack, backpacking, um, trail with shelters and, you know, there's more and more people every year. It's getting more and more popular. So. Um, what is your, what's your overall plan? So you're going, you're going to go northbound. What do you think you're going to do for mileage on a daily basis? I was going to attempt twenties.
3: I was going to try to do it in 10 days. Um, but you know how it goes. Um, that sounds good on paper, but it might be a little bit different as I get out there. The first day obviously is going to be a bit tough, but if I can get Past the Mount Washington Hotel, um, I think I'll be looking good.
1: That's a good point, though. Are you committed to going northbound?
3: No, I'm not. No,
1: because <laughs> that might um, that might make your logistical life a little easier if you start north.
3: I'm really, I'm not sold on anything. I mean, if uh, you could probably easily convince me to do southbound, but um, um, I, I feel that. Um, you know I, as i've going north i mean i'll flip flop but uh i don't think it's really necessary um and it would be kind of uh kind of fun to to end on the canadian border but yeah the uh the northern part of the on, on the border of the canadian border is very uh it's no man's land uh, because there's no place to park a car up there there's a little campground i think um something like five, I want to say five miles or 10 miles away from the border. There's a camp area and that's the only thing on that road. And, um, they're really not crazy about the idea of leaving cars up there. Um, cause I was just thinking I could just run, leave, you know, put my pack in the woods and then run down to the, the car. Um, if I left a car up there. But, um, so that's, that's the only, uh, logistical problem, uh, with, uh, Uh, ending up there you need to have someone meet you up there where if you do it southbound the nice thing about it is you can leave um a car down in 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 the parking lot um at the beginning of the davis path and uh um so that that works out um you know doing southbound would be easier but uh I think I'm still uh, probably sold on on doing a northbound because uh, uh, my girlfriend's going to pick me up. I think. <laughs> well, that
1: were, that's reason enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make we're gonna make the decision for you. Go in northbound. Uh, All right. So okay. Now, as far as the the gear that you have, like, are you you consider are you like an ultralight? backpacker or do you, what do you, what do you consider yourself?
3: No, I, I like, I, I really like, uh, light stuff, but I don't consider myself an ultra light. I never really weigh myself because the way I see it, it doesn't really matter. Um, I have all light stuff and, um, I'm, I, and I continue to, uh, all the new stuff that I get. Like I just got a new sleeping mat and the sleeping mat is, uh, um, really ultra light. Um, so I'm probably, my base weight's probably, it's probably around 10 pounds, probably.
0: Yeah, right. I would say that's pretty close. Now, are you a, are you a tent person or a hammock person? Or are you a shelter rat? You're a, you're a tent person?
3: Well, no, I, I I'm a shelter rat because uh, if I can, I, I like to get into the shelter. You know, I, I like to meet people, but um, sometimes it's because my, my, my tent is an Fairly ultralight tent. Well, not fairly ultralight tent, but um, it is. Uh, it's a trekking pole tent. So sometimes it's a bit of a pain in the butt to uh, um, to set that up, especially if you're um, at a at a place where there's uh, you know the, the the they have the, the decking platforms. Um, setting your, your, your tent up on a, on, on, on one of those decking platforms is kind of a pain in the butt cause you need rocks. But, um, so that's why I kind of lean towards the shelters just cause I can get in and out faster in the morning. What, t- what,
0: what kind of tent do you have?
3: I have kind of, it's a, it looks like a, a, a duplex. It's basically China's version of a duplex tent, the, the uh, Z-Pax duplex, um, <laughs> And um, <laughs> I don't feel real good about that because uh, <laughs> yeah, not, I like to try to stick with American made stuff, but I really can't part with like $600 to buy a, a, a Z-Pax duplex, but someday I will. Someday I will.
1: Funny side story. I was at work and we have to wear masks at the uh, nursing home and um, I'm walking down the hallway and my mask, one of the the white little elastic bands pops off like it does a hundred times a day. And the administrator is walking down the hallway and he looks at me and goes, China don't make them masks like they used to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It was classic.
3: That's terrible. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Anyway, back on track. What was that noise in the background? Was that, was that a Yeti in the background?
3: I think it was. (laughs) <laughs> I really think It was. could have been or that or beaver. I heard yeah, something. Yeah, Big, Bigfoot or
0: beavers. Nice, nice. So, um, so far, what would you say? Like, you know, as you've done this part of New Hampshire, what's been the biggest surprise for you so far?
3: Well, there's a couple, there's a couple law uh, um, at the last year, at the end of the new England trail, it was a really, really nice trail, but the ending was absolutely terrible. And, and, and if I have to give advice to anybody, I would say, uh, Um, you know, to be really careful about uh, the northern part of the New England Trail because there's a lot of uh, marshy area up there and the mosquitoes up there are incredible. I mean, I've never seen that many mosquitoes in my life. You have to be very careful that you have a bug net and that you cover everything up.
1: You said that um, you were crushing miles, but then when you got to the whites, it was a whole different heartbreak scenario the first thing you typically hit is moosalak yeah exactly yeah that's what i was going to get to so
3: yeah
1: everybody tells me that that stretch from the kinsman ridge trail let's just say that is one of the hardest sections in the whites if not the worst
3: oh Oh, i i i get shivers when you said kinsman um (laughs) yeah that uh that that, that's uh that's a beast it is
1: Absolutely, it's, uh, yeah.
3: It's a little bit of uh, scrambling.
1: You revealed to me that um, you were having trouble finding water over that stretch. So, can you talk about that a little bit?
3: Um, going from Musalauk to um, the the next shelter, I think it's like uh, something in the ballpark of nine nine miles.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: So you so you you do Musalauk down Beaver Brook and cross the road and you get onto this trail. And I passed these these two, two people probably in their 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, oh, hey. So they're like, yeah, hey, we're, we're on the trail. We're going towards uh, um, Katahdin. And I'm like, wow, that's great. I'm like, good luck, guys. And I'm like, so you're going to the next shelter? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, me too. So I'll meet you there. Okay. So I go on and I only have, you know, I'm trying to stay light. Because uh, I'm trying to you know get more miles in, and so I, I just go with a liter of water from Beaver Brook, and uh, and then um, as I'm on the trail um, going up, I look at my map and I'm like, my God, there's no water anywhere, and so after like I don't know maybe seven miles, there's water, like a little stream that you have to you know use a cup, mm-hmm. and uh, so. That was a really tough stretch because no water and I was trying to really, you know, hang on to my water. And so I get, I get to the – make a long story short, I, I get to the, the, the shelter and it was a really hard day because uh, it was really hot and there was, you know, very little water that I was trying to limit myself on. And I woke up in the morning and those guys never came in and uh so but, and there was no signal at the shelter, so I was really scared for for those people and ho- hoping that they turned around and, and were safe. But then from that point on, you you go towards um, kinsmen and uh, I slept at Garfield that next that next night.
1: Well, you got to keep us posted on this.
0: You know what we need to do is rename this um so stringing these these segments of trails together we should We should rename it the New Hampshire Long Trail.
3: (laughs) That's that's, that's a good name. Yeah, yeah. I've been just calling
0: it NET to Cohos. I
1: think we just call it the Nobby Trail.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the
0: Nobby. Oh, that's true. We could call it the Nobby Trail. Yeah. But yeah, Stomp. We want to. We want to transition into search and rescue news. So we got. We're backed up for a couple of weeks here, but we got. I think I got like one, two, three, four. We got five, five stories to cover here. If you want to. uh,
1: it's a never-ending uh, list of stories here. We have a hiker that was assisted off of the Piper Trail. Thursday, June 10th, Fishing Game was notified that a hiker had severe stomach pain on the Piper Trail. And here we go. We're back at Mount Chicora. Mount Chicora seems to be the top contender this year, right?
0: It is. It's definitely the hot spot. And we've got more stuff coming up later. We didn't even get to... Um... There's some other stuff going on in Chicora, but we'll, this is the only one this week, but yeah, it's definitely this year. It's it, Chakora is the hotspot.
1: Mm, it's amazing. This 43-year-old man was hiking uh, with two friends, a Laconia resident. He had severe abdominal pain all of a sudden while descending from the summit and couldn't continue. They were three and a half miles from the trailhead. Conservation officers, lakes, Regions Search and Rescue and members of, or students, I should say, of the Solo Wilderness Medicine School responded to the individual. They arrived and were able to carry him out in a litter back to the trailhead, arriving back at about 3.30 in the morning. (laughs) Rise and shine, (laughs)
0: 3.30 in the morning. So the the victim here is he he's... He's pretty active on social media, so I've seen him posting quite a bit. Good guy. He hikes a, hikes a ton. Mm-hmm. And he actually was nice enough. He came on to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue uh, Facebook page and gave a little bit of background. So he, it was kidney stones. Those are – I've had a little bit of experience when I used to work at, at Logan Airport years ago. We had one of the bus drivers. I worked at a rental car place, and one of the bus drivers, I walked in the bathroom, and he was like, on the bathroom floor suffering from kidney stones. He looked like, we talked about The Walking Dead earlier, he looked like a zombie from The Walking Dead, like <laughs> screaming in pain. So I can only imagine what would happen if you're like hiking, you're deep in the woods on Mount Shakura, and then all of a sudden kidney stones hit you. Yeah, uh, It must have been like, I would have panicked personally, but it sounds like he, he sucked it up and made his way down as best he could, and then eventually, you know, they they did the smart thing and called for a rescue because, you know, that's kind of like... Kidney stones hitting you on a hike is like getting struck by lightning, mm. so it's, it's a tough, tough call, but that must have been incredible pain. Yeah, I can't... Yeah.
1: I've never experienced that myself. Um, but I have heard some stories for sure. So that's the end of that one. Um, obviously, they made
0: it out, and um, I'm sure he's doing better now. Yep. Yeah, matter of fact, I saw him posting. He's out. He's back at it again. I think he did a Zealand's Bond traverse. I saw it tonight he had posted somewhere that, that he's out there. So good for him.
1: Crank out that stone and get back on the trail.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that's it.
1: <laughs> All right, so here's number two. We have a another rescue in the Wild River. We talked about um another one recently fatality that happened there the other uh, two weeks ago yeah that was the blowdown correct correct yeah the hammock camper that unfortunately tree fell mm. on him 10 Ten thirty a.m hiker rescued in wild river a 58 year old woman from Stratford, new hampshire was hiking mariah brook trail with her daughter 1.3 miles into the woods This individual slipped and fell and um, injured her arm. Following the incident, the two hikers worked together to splint the affected limb, which is pretty great when you're in that situation. If you can stabilize a limb and um, try to affect your own way out, that's preferred. Um, Sometimes it's not possible, but in this case, they gave it a go. Um, The pain, unfortunately, kept on increasing. They... Uh, activated their personal locator beacon, which they had with them in their pack. The daughter went back to the Wild River Campground to seek additional help. At about 11.15 a.m., fishing game, officers were alerted to the incident. The only information that the beacon gave them was SOS, so they really had no idea what was going on with this. A Wild River Campground host had sent out a radio transmission to the U.S. Forest Service also, indicating that he was dealing with a medical emergency and was in need of an ambulance. This area has no cell service, no radio communication. Rescue personnel from Gorm Ambulance, Bethel Ambulance, Gilead, I believe that's... Oh, here comes another linguistics uh, lesson. It's Gilead. 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 (laughs) 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 Okay,
0: all right, I'll take your word. It's like Handmaidens Tale, I think.
1: (laughs) I'll take your word for it. That's fine. Stone Hearth, open learning. That's solo, of course. We'll just call it solo. New Hampshire Fishing Game
0: responded. One to two hours it took to arrive in that area. Yeah, Evans Notch. I mean, that's a haul to get to. Like, there's, if you get injured in that area, like you're in for a long wait. No doubt about it. Yeah. So the rescue party
1: arrived at 1:45 p.m. And this individual with the injured arm was evaluated and ultimately transported by ambulance to Androscoggin Valley Hospital in Berlin for further workup. So it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's such poor coverage there. It's great that they had that beacon just to, to tip off the rescuers.
0: Yeah, yeah. But big thumbs up. So she, she did mostly—she made it most of the way herself, right? Yeah. Out of this?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So big thumbs up to her.
1: They tried to get out on their own, which is fantastic. And I mean, that's sort of what you you stress people to do. Make sure that you're self-sufficient and you try to get out on your own. And if not, then uh, we're here to help. Now, the next one takes us to Franconia Ridge. And this is on June 18th. This is an interesting one. Fishing Game was notified that another hiker had um, some issues, medical issues, and was unable to walk near the summit of Mount Lincoln. This is about 12:30 p.m. at the time of the emergency. The report says AMC members from the Greenleaf Hut and a member of Pemmy Valley Search and Rescue, who happened to be in the area, were on Mount Lafayette and hiked over to help the individual. Uh, the officers from Fishing Game arrived a bit later and hiked up the Falling Waters Trail directly to the victim. AMC, the volunteer, provided treatment and got the person moving under their own power. By 4.30, the conservation officers arrived with the party that was moving down trail, giving him additional food and water, and um, they all arrived out at about 6 p.m. And then from there, the individual was transported from the scene in a personal vehicle. So they declined to get into an ambulance or to seek uh, medical treatment at that time.
3: Now, does that sound like a dehydration thing, you think?
0: I have no
1: information on that. The
0: report really doesn't get into that. Stomp, can I just say that um, these cases where there's a rescue and the person chooses to go in their own personal vehicle, I feel like that shouldn't be allowed. They should have to go in an ambulance. on the way out. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to make that a
1: rule. That's a tough one. It's best if you if you are going to just opt not to go to a hospital is to have a friend drive you home.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's ultimately a free country. People can do what they want. But, um, you know, I think my thought on this is, like, sometimes, like, if, if people are too quick to call for a rescue, and then all of a sudden, that you know, they're a little panicked, and then they, they get the cavalry comes in, and then they're like, "Well, I'm feeling a little bit better," and then they just hop in the car. It's kind of like, you know, did you waste everybody's time? But which can happen, you know, I guess it's tough to know.
3: Yeah, they might not be able to afford the treatment, and so that's that may motivate them into not getting the ambulance. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't think of the money situation, but it is is not cheap to get an ambulance ride. Right, I could imagine.
1: Well, yeah, nor assessment at a hospital if you don't have insurance
0: yeah that's a good point
1: shall we move on to the next
0: sure <laughs> my favorite location ever
1: <laughs> i knew you're gonna say that we <laughs> <laughs> diana's bath i've never been there oh yeah i never will
0: yeah Wait, you've never been to Diana's Bath? Did we talk about this before?
1: I think we have, probably with maybe Jimmy Chaga. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think we did.
0: Yeah. Diana's (laughs) Bath is so it's in North Conway. It's a tourist place. Uh, I actually, it's a fun place to go. Like, I would recommend going. Like, go early um, and try to go midweek or something like that if you can. Maybe it's less crowded, but uh, it's fun. But it is like a little bit like if you go in the middle of the day on a Saturday, like, it's a complete zoo. And, you know, <laughs> not that fun, but it's, it's cool if you can go and there's no crowd. So it's, it's just like a um, cascading waterfall swimming place in, in North Conway that, that a lot of people go that don't know about all the good secret spots.
1: All right. Well, June 17th, 3.30 p.m., Bartlett Jackson Ambulance, U.S. Forest Service, New Hampshire Fishing Game officers responded to a report of an injured hiker in Bartlett on the Moat Mountain Trail, which is... Uh, connected to the bath, I believe. Um, And that's one of the ways up moat. I'm not sure where this person was headed, but 0.8 miles in, this person from Manchester, Connecticut, ended up injuring his ankle after slipping on a loose rock in the river. She was able to walk with rescuer assistance a short way and then was wheeled in a stair chair to the ambulance, where she was transported to Memorial Hospital in North Conway. Now, I can tell you what a, a stair chair is, but I would advise you to just search for it and take a look at the image because it's it's pretty neat. Um, I'll leave it at that. Any questions, gents? <laughs> I'm
0: go- <laughs> I'm Googling a stair chair. I'm thinking a
3: stairmaster. Uh,
0: well, I don't know. Huh. Oh, so it looks like a it looks like a big giant. Wheelchair, but like a dolly. Well, yeah, there are there are skis
1: on the back of it. Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: You know, yeah, I've so, never I've never seen one myself, but apparently they probably use this over on that side or in that particular location, and it probably works
0: well. And so, yeah, yeah it's stair I mean, chair. It, yeah, it's perfect for that location because it's like just it's basically flat. But yeah, it looks like. It looks like a wheelchair, but there's no armrests. Yeah. And it's like combined with like a dolly that you would use to, like, you know, we used to use them in the restaurants, but like a dolly that, like, you used to, like, a mover would use to move stuff around. So it sounds like, it looks like you can, like, basically tilt the person backwards as far as you want and slide them. And then, and slide them either that or just drag them up, up a, um, up the stairs so how many people would have to I would think that like multiple people would need to pull this thing to get somebody up an elevated section though
1: I can't even I can't even comment because I've never used them over here they wouldn't be practical on this side of the whites maybe at the basin but we you know we're typically up on falling waters or something like that something like that would never work <clears throat> occasionally we use the wheel, a wheeler, which is a, a...
0: single wheel, yeah, we talked about that.
1: With the wheel underneath. Yeah, you've seen those. But honestly, this is new to me. I've never seen it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll put a picture of this up on the show notes, Um and I definitely want to ride in this thing. <laughs> Stomp, you can push me on this thing with your with your hip that you don't want to talk about anymore. Well, yeah, it could be like a new whale tail ride or
1: something, you know? It's, it looks yeah, really exactly. cool. Yeah, <laughs> The hip I don't want to talk about. The hip that shall not be named. All right. So we're on to the last one. Lost hiker located in Canterbury. And um, as a preview for upcoming episodes, there has been a lot of lost person activity. And um, I'm sure we'll be seeing these reports come out soon. But this one happened on the 19th. 10 p.m. Fishing Game. We're notified that a lost hiker in the town of Canterbury was out there. The hiker was identified as a 60-year-old male. Upon receiving the call, law enforcement learned that the individual had gone out for a late afternoon hike behind his house. The wife got nervous when he didn't return. A neighbor started receiving calls that perhaps he was turned around, quote-unquote, while on his hike. The person himself was able to provide GPS coordinates from his cell phone to his wife, and the neighbor just before the battery on his phone died. Boom! There you go. It's amazing. So, so a couple things here. Like before we move on, some cell phones can give you. I, I believe they're the iPhones in particular. Maybe not Samsung, but uh, iPhones do have a function or a feature that can show you your latitude and longitude. And if you're in dire straits, you can get those coordinates and give them to nine one one. Or your neighbor or your wife, whoever you can get a a hold of, uh, before your battery dies. Let's see. The neighbor was able to tell the individual that was lost to stay put and that they would come to find him. They were unsuccessful. They looked around. They could not find him. 11.30 p.m., there's a search effort underway by Canterbury Fire, Luden Fire, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Searchers made multiple attempts. To get to this person's location. this is really interesting. By, they used u- utility vehicles, but apparently all these trails were dead end trails. They had blowdowns, some areas were uh, unpassable by UTV. so it took a while to get there. So finally by 2:30 a.m, two officers from fishing game found a trail that led them to the individual. He was uninjured um, and ultimately got back to his family.
0: You know what I'm getting the vibe on this one, Stomp? Yeah? This is another one of those alien, alien <laughs> abduction cases. <laughs> right? It's, it could be. Yeah. Very, I, I don't want to speculate, but. It's a little bit weird. Like, he's kind of close to home, and, like, it just it just seems a little weird. But, you know, it, it happens, I guess. People get turned around. Did he just not
3: have a headlamp? Uh, Did he just not have a headlamp?
1: Well, um, let's see. 10 p.m. That's what it sounds
3: like. He was out there on the trail, and uh, then when it got dark, he just kind of sat down and said, "Well, the report doesn't list anything about that."
0: Yeah, I mean, it just say to like be prepared and carry all the appropriate gear. So yeah, you could right. I mean, you can infer from that that he probably didn't have yeah have a light, but you know, it doesn't doesn't say one way or the other.
1: But I can't tell you. I mean, some of these locations, um, all throughout the state, have tons of snowmobile trails and you know just they interweave and they they can be pretty confusing and i'm sure that it's plausible that somebody may not be totally familiar with them even if they're in their backyard i mean so it's it's possible
0: yeah and i mean as much as like we you know the common theme is like oh people from out of state are coming up here and getting getting lost and getting turned around but like we see these cases of like oh i'm just going out for a quick hike in my backyard in, in these local New Hampshire towns, and all of a sudden, a search and rescue gets mobilized where someone gets lost. Like it, it happens a lot of times. It is exactly what you just said, Mark. It's like there's no headlamp, and they just they don't they don't know where they are, and they call nine one one, and, and they, you know they get picked out of the woods pretty quickly. So it's not that unusual. Um, you know, it happens. Luckily, this guy got found. I'm sure that his wife was not too thrilled. Mm.
1: <laughs> Two thirty in the morning. Yeah. So the moral of the story is, go to hikesafe. dot com, people. Yep. Look through that list. Make sure it's all in your pack, and um, make sure you leave your plans and don't rely on your cell phone. They're they're junk, <laughs> pretty much. Unless you're, they're great for
0: pictures, but don't rely on on them for anything else.
3: Always have a backup.
0: Exactly. That's it. So it's been a busy uh, busy week for or week or two for search and rescue. So we had to catch up. I think we skipped last week. So. Um, good stuff so good uh, Mark good catching up with you and uh, very interesting uh, hike that you're doing there so we'll look forward to bringing you back to catch up with uh, with how you like the co-host trail I can tell you the Kilkenny Ridge is going to be awesome I'll give you some more details on that um, after the show and uh, Stomp we, did we miss anything or are we good to, good to wrap it up
1: I think we are all set Okay. yeah great it's show over. thank you Mark for coming out Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information on slasrpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until next time, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris
3: Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever.
2: Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree.
3: And well, there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Oh!
0: Lieutenant James Neeland New
3: Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? Seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.